It's been a blessing to be here this week, speaking night after night, seeing folks getting up and giving their lives to Christ, like Mickey, my brother here, and others. And in and, and an amazing way, God has something in store for this church. Do you hear me? God has something in store for this church. This church has got to get ready for it. You can't receive it until you get ready for it. And so I want to place a charge upon your spirit and upon your heart. To the men of this church, will you please stand where you are? I'm going to do my charge a little different. If you can't stand, you can raise your hand. God has called you to be the head. He has called you to lead. He has called you to protect and to guide. And when men are strong in a church, a church becomes stronger. And it is up to you. We can't pass this baton to anyone else. We talked about that during this week. The curse of Adam is now broken. We're no longer shifting the responsibility that God has given us. We will stand it because he promised he will give us the strength we need to go through it. Can you say amen, man? Yes. Women, where are you? Please stand, women. Remain standing, gentlemen. Remain standing. Not only God has called you to be a helpmeet in ministry, a mother to your children, and support to other young women, but most importantly, your ministry can completely derail what God has called us to do. You're that tail of an of a airplane that depending which way you turn can direct the plane to a complete different direction. So I charge you to guard this seriously. Don't take it lightly, the call God has called upon your life. Help support the men and lead with wisdom, not with gossip, with wisdom and love. There are a lot of people who are going to be walking through those doors. You need to be the first one to meet them and embrace them, not judge them. Embrace them, not judge them. Where are young people? Please stand up, young people. What I'm going to say is going to be a little, try not to make it too rough. Don't let nobody tell you how to praise God. Number one. Number two, you have a power and, and a capacity within you that all these other folks don't have. You have youth. You have drive, tenacity. You have creativity. And I'm, I'm encouraging you. Listen, if this church doesn't move forward, it's not because the rest of the folks ain't doing anything. It's because you've chosen to jump off the ship. And if you jump off the ship, I promise you, you're going to pay some dear prices. You know, there's a price you pay for knowing. There is a price you pay for knowing. Eve paid a dear price for knowing what the fruit tasted like. Some of us can't afford that cost. And we can't use a credit card either because the debt is too high. Don't take the chance. Stay on board this ship. Don't leave the church. No matter how strong the temptation is, stay on board. Now, can we go to the screen? I am a child of God, please. 
We're going to recite this one more time. Because there's a reason why I wanted you to understand this creed. Every, every strong organization has a creed. The military has a creed. The Navy has a creed. The Marines has a creed. And a quarter that they live by. No matter what they go through, they repeat this thing day and night. Because when life gets rough, it keeps them through. Let's go. I am. I am a child of God. This makes me one of a kind, unique and special. I am destined to live my life with purpose and passion. I will choose to take responsibility when faced with adversity. When I can't find a way. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. I pray that God that you will continue to outpour your Holy Spirit on this church. Be with Pastor Madden. Be with the elders, be with the deacons, be with the ushers, be with all the department heads, be with the school teachers. Lord, this is what you've called us to do, is to go and preach and reach out. Abandon us not. Give us the faith we need. Give us the means we need, dear God. That when all is said and done, when the roll is called up yonder, we all want to be there. Thank you for saving us and delivering us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated.
testing. Praise the Lord, everyone. From the rising of the sun until the going down. Thank you, choir. I turned around, the choir was gone. Our time is limited, but there are some things that I would like to discuss first. First, thank you very much, Pastor Philip, for your dedication, coming out here night after night, dealing with our hard heads, and preaching the word. Not an easy task. Baby, Anissa, I would like you to uh, stand up, please. Wife's telling me she's having a little trouble hearing me. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to see my wife. Now, many of you gentlemen know from your own experience, but for those of you who don't know what a good woman looks like. <laughs> You know, some fool once said that behind every semi-successful man is a successful woman. But I declare beside that brother, in front of that brother, leading the way sometimes, above him, pulling him up, below him, supporting him, and all at the same time, that's my wife. <laughs> I praise the Lord for her. I'd also like to give a quick shout out to the young people, particularly the young people of the Abundance Life Christian Academy. Here's my shout out, y'all. Uh-oh. Bringing home the trophy and for making us proud. Young people, don't you ever believe for a second, don't you ever believe for a minute that you are not loved. When you cry, we cry. When you scream, we scream. And when you make it, <laughs> there is shouting on earth, just as we know there is in heaven. This week coming up, we have some things. There will be a science fair, and I encourage everyone to come out and support these young people see the results of their hard work. Okay. On a more somber note, we have just received word that Sister Stevenson, her sister was in a very severe car accident just now. And so we're going to hold her up in prayer when we pray. Lord will be with her and be with Sister Stevenson. Before we pray, just my key, I would like you all to sing with me, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living, Lord. 
Johnson, Lord, so please hide this flawed vessel behind the cross. Send your spirit, Lord, to speak to our hearts and to bless us. And Lord, while we are here at the throne of grace, we hold up Sister Stevenson, Lord. We ask that you would dispatch your angels at the speed of light that they will extend their wings around her sister, Lord. We say her name, Sister Celestine. That you will impart your healing and your protection. We ask these things in thy holy name and we thank you already. Let everyone say amen. Amen. Let's try this out. Let's begin by reading the word. Gentlemen, let me make sure I'm hitting the right one. Okay, that's my fault. Let everyone please read with me. This comes from the fifth chapter of John. Let's read together. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I declare a state of emergency. Satan has laid claim over our souls, but they are not his to take. I declare a state of emergency, young people. Said Satan has laid claim over our souls, and they aren't even ours to give. It is time to give back to Jesus that which is his. So this is the opening volley, the opening shots in a war that we shall wage this week against Satan. The topic is reclamation, reclaiming God's children. And I've never really been much for naming my sermons, but today is a special case. Today's message is entitled, Rise. Rise. Take up thy bed and walk. Maybe it is time to move. Jesus had been chilling in Samaria, kicking racism in its head. Because the Jews didn't like Samaritans, Jews didn't really like nobody, but the Samaritans were near the top of the list. And merely by being willing to fellowship, they accepted him. They accepted him as Messiah. They accepted him as Savior. And it was a high time. Samaria is located in the mountains and they were coming down. They went through Cana where Jesus healed the nobleman's servant. And Jesus came on through. He was on his way to Jerusalem. It was the time of the feast. And the scholars disagree which feast this is. Maybe it was the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost. Maybe it was Passover. But he was coming into Jerusalem, as all good Jews did, for the time of the feast. And in the northern part of Jerusalem, that part of the city was called uh, Bethesda. And Jesus was rolling with his posse of baby apostles into the city of Bethesda. And I don't know if the legend is true. In fact, I studied very long and hard before making this declaration. There is no textual evidence that the legend of the pool of Bethesda is actually true. Scholars believe that in this description, John is reciting the legend, letting you know what was expected. And there was a little Adventist lady who wrote a book called The Desire of Ages, and she says that the troubling of the water did take place, but the healing was legend. There was a pool a large body of water, a man-made body of water that had five porches around it, five areas where people could lounge, where people could hang out by the pool. And the pool was known as the House of Mercy. That is the translation of Bethesda. And Jesus sent his baby apostles away, and he's rolling up through the city, and here is the pool of Bethesda. And the pool was crowded with a multitude of people because the story went that every so often 
After certain seasons, young people, the water of the pool was troubled. It rippled, it splashed. There was a disturbance on the surface of the water, and the disturbance was understood to be made by a divine hand. We are told that the disturbance was true. It took place, but legend had it that the first person into the water after the troubling of the water would be healed of whatever affliction he or she had. Now I'm diabetic. Some of y'all saw me up here checking my stuff and sipping on, uh, what was that, orange juice? And I imagine that meant that if I was there and the water was troubled and I was fortunate enough to get into the water first, I'd get up sugar-free. <laughs> hmm? Young people, a little bit more so you can understand it, I guess if, if I was bald-headed, and it's coming one day, and had severely chapped lips and was first in the water, I would come up like Tito from the Jackson 5 and just shiny all up in the air. <laughs> now, I'm making fun of the pool, I know, but stay with me because I want to paint a stark contrast between this farce of a blessing, this man-made construct, and in what Jesus had to offer. So many people were around the pool, they were desperate. Desperate people who don't have Jesus will reach out for anything. Have, have you ever been reading the paper and you look and there's the story of somebody that were eating breakfast and they had their milk, they had their orange juice, they had their Cheerios, and they had their toast. And they're getting ready to eat breakfast, and they look down, and there is Jesus in the toast. You ever seen that? Somehow, the burning on the toast looks like the anglified Jesus Christ. Now look, baby, it's Jesus in the bread. And they start praying to the bread. And folk are lined up around the corner for an opportunity to pray over the toast. <laughs> Jesus, who made all creation. Jesus, who put the dome of the sky over the earth. We pay him no attention, but suddenly here he is on a piece of burnt bread. Now, I got to tell you, folks, I find it hard to pray over some bread. I mean, unless I'm saying the grace. I mean, I might, you know, thank you, Lord, for this toast. Mess around and get you some strawberry jam get you some molasses. Oh, y'all don't know nothing about that right there. That's North Carolina. You know, that's my sister there. I met her last week. <laughs> but desperate people who do not have Jesus in their lives will reach out for anything when they need hope, when they need their affliction to be lifted. And so the people were crowded around the pool. And there were so many of them that we are told when the cry went up, the water is troubled, the water is troubled. It was like hollering fire in a theater. We are told in the spirit of prophecy that when the cry went up, the mob of the people was so bad that the weaker among them, the young people, were crushed to death. They died for the crime of trying to get a healing. Have mercy. One time when Nissa and I had been married about three years, 
we decided one Valentine's Day that we would go and get the most exclusive, expensive dinner that we could afford and leave little baby Jalen with a babysitter. The most expensive dinner we could afford. It was about, about $11. <laughs> if you don't biggie size it. <laughs> and so we went and we enjoyed this dinner and then we said one to another, let us go into the mall that we might fellowship together. And so the two of us went to the mall to enjoy the rest of our Valentine's Day and while we were there in line at one of the establishments, there were two gunshots. Pow, pow, right there in the mall. Everybody hit the floor. And as I lay there on the ground, I was just kind of atop my wife protectively, trying to be a man. Help me now. <laughs> Help you, brother. I looked up and behind me, and what I will remember most is not the gunfire. What I will most remember is not even all of us laying on the floor in terror, but I looked back this way and there was a solid wall of terrified people running full tilt toward us. That was the immediate danger. I hit my wife on the leg and said, baby, let's go. And we ran through the establishment and out the back door. The press of the mob is a dangerous thing. And so you see why I made fun of the pool of Bethesda. Because now we have this, this backward, twisted blessing. We, we got this blessing where the strong can make it. We have this blessing where the faster you are and the better you are than the next person, the more likely you are to get your healing. And if you make it to the water, it's not because of Christ, it's because you were strong, because I was good enough. In fact, if you just keep your eyes on your blessing and you can just elbow the brother beside you, you'll do better. And into this foolishness, into this accident waiting to happen comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, who said the last shall be first and the first shall be last. <laughs> Here comes Jesus, who said the meek. Oh, let me get ahead of myself here. Jesus comes through and ignores all of the rigmarole and walks right up to the weakest of Some say he was crippled, some say he was paralyzed, but for whatever reason, for 38 years he'd been lying here by the pool, hoping against hope, praying against prayer that he might be the first into the water. 38 years lying in his filth. Spirit of Prophecy says that there was somebody that moved him toward the pool in the summer and out of compassion and pity moved him away from the pool in the winter, but otherwise he stayed right by the water. Forty years by the water, waiting on his blessing, and here comes Jesus. One time when I was doing pediatric rotations, I smelled something like, what is that smell? And about 1.30 in the afternoon, the doors opened, and a faithful mother came in wheeling her 17-year-old son. And there was an aroma around this young man that you could not believe. He was paralyzed, well-cut, well-kept, 
and paralyzed from the waist down. Young people, he'd been in the car with his cousin, and his cousin dealt in drugs. He didn't. But the cousin did. And one day, the cousin was just taking this young man home from school when gunfire had erupted, and the only person to get shot. Don't it always work that way? The only one to get shot was this young man. That bullet entered the car, went through his belly button, exited posteriorly through his spine, but not before severing his spinal cord. Young people, let me tell you, sometimes you can get messed up by association. You might want to check who you're hanging out with. And so this young man was wheeled into the doctor's office and the smell was unbelievable. And the attending physician, that's my boss, my teacher, she said, Johnson, check his wounds. I had heard of and I had seen bed sores before, known in the medical community as decubitus ulcers. But when we helped this young man onto the table and we pulled down his shorts, what I saw gave me nightmares. Isn't that right, baby? Nightmares for a week. His entire rear area from his waist down to mid-thigh had completely rotted away. It was all gone. We looked at the shiny, glistening gray white of tendons holding that boy's bones together. And the smell was unbelievable. The smell of a person rotting alive. As soon as I could get out of there, I left and I called my mother-in-law. You remember that? I called her and I said, Mom, I was crying. Tears were coming out of my eyes. You wouldn't believe what I'd just seen. Because you know, church, I'd known that you could die, but I was shocked at what you could live through. And this man's been laying here for 38 years. Jesus walks right up to him. Imagine there's a cloud of stink around the man. People are giving him a respectable distance, but Jesus just walks right up in his mess. Praise God for a savior. That doesn't require that we put on a tie and a cummerbund, but can just walk up to us in our mess. Jesus just walked up to him, and he looked at him, and it's him and Jesus. Jesus and him. It's like the rest of the world had disappeared, fade to black. And Jesus says, Wilt thou be made whole? Would you be healed? And I want you to notice what the man says. The impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. See, the man thought that Jesus was going to save him the way the man wanted to be saved. Mm -hmm. And while I'm talking, let me go ahead and say that when Jesus says, would you be healed, the correct answer is yes. But the man wanted to blame his circumstance. I wouldn't be here if I had somebody to put me in the water, Lord. In fact, if my situation was a little different, I wouldn't need you at all. I have no one to put me in the water. Would you be healed? Lord, I would. And I know I'm flirting with alcoholism 
but Lord, the friends and, and my family, they all abuse drugs and they're out there waiting on me. As soon as I come out the church house, I have no one to put me in the water. Would you be healed? Lord, I would. I really would. And I love my wife. I do. And I know that other woman is not my wife. But Lord, she calls me in the midnight hour. And I can't ignore the phone. I don't want to wake my wife up. I have to answer. And when I go to work, Lord, she's got that little number on that drives me crazy. And she's got that little ankle chain on that drives me mad. I have no one to put me in the water. Young people, would you be healed? Lord, I would. And I know I need to respect my mama. And I know I need to respect my teachers. And I know I need to fix my potty mouth. But the words that come out of my mouth are the same words that the lyrics I'm listening to going in my ears, Lord, and everybody else is listening to it. And I like the groove. It's got the boom, boom, and the boom, boom. I have no one to carry me and my mess. To the water. Jesus doesn't even dignify that with a response. Jesus said unto him some of the strangest words ever to be found in Scripture because they circumvent cause and effect. Jesus said unto him, Rise. Take up thy bed and walk. How seemingly unfeeling of the master. How, how strange that, that Jesus would walk up to a man who was unable to walk and say, walk. Would have made more sense, it seems, had Jesus said, you are healed. Now rise, take up thy bed and walk. But Jesus says, rise. Would you be healed? Then rise. Jesus walks up to a man who cannot move and said, Many times we need to check ourselves. It is never the ability of Christ. It is never God's capability, but sometimes our willingness to move. Our willingness to do what we need to do. Our willingness to commit. Our willingness to make a step. Our willingness to come down the aisle. Our willingness to go in the water. We serve a God of movement. Everything in the universe moves. God set it in motion at the beginning and it has continued to move ever since. From the biggest galaxies in our universe, hundreds of thousands of light years across, spinning on their axes, trailing billions of suns and stars, to the clusters of stars so massive that they, they bend space-time itself to the planetary systems, to the Earth as it revolves around the sun at a thousand miles per hour, to the Earth as it rotates on its axis, to the clouds and the weather that never stops moving across our skies, 
to the ebb and flow of the tide, to the gentle bending of a flower in the breeze, to the ants, to the aphids, to the smallest creatures that are moving and scurrying about their business of survival, to the molecules that hold everything together, to the very atoms of which those molecules are made. Those electrons, young people, are going around that atom at close to the speed of light to the protons and the neutrons and the gluons and the muons and the quarks and the newly found Higgs bosons. It all moves. So how dare we insist that Christ save us when we are unwilling to move? Would you be healed, abundant life? Maybe it's time to move. Let's look at scripture. Let's read together. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So in the beginning, we have a perfect illustration of what a life looks like before Jesus. It is void. It is shapeless. It is floating out there aimlessly and purposelessly in space. God approaches the earth, and the earth is enveloped in an inky blackness, the blackness that occurs before God. Some people argue this is the same blackness that God visited upon the Egyptians during the plagues. And God comes upon the earth. And in the very first introduction of God into scripture, the first time that divinity is introduced in the entire Bible, I want you to see how it is done. It says the spirit of God moved. Now check this out. This is interesting. You know the Bible was not always written in English. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek and some Aramaic. So it helps sometimes to go back and see what the original words were so we can gain an understanding. And the word for moved is marapheth. And this word marapheth shows up two other times in scriptures, once in Jeremiah, but it also shows up in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11, where it describes the motion that an eagle makes when it stretches its wings protectively over the young. So I want to paint this picture. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God showed up and stretched its wings over the new earth, and the wings were stretched over the earth like this, and then the Spirit of God began to move over the earth. And when the spirit starts moving, nature starts moving with the spirit. And the spirit was moving. And the water under the spirit was moving. And the water was moving. And the earth under the water was moving. And after everything was moving in the spirit, then God said, let there be light. I submit to you that God can bring light into your darkness. He can create something out of your nothingness if you first 
let the spirit move, would you be healed this morning? Let's read another verse. Read with me. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. So we're moving on a little bit in history. And God wanted to make a special people, a righteous people, an upright people. And Abram found favor in the sight of the Lord. And so God went to Abram, who was living in the land of Ur. You can look at the previous chapter, which is Genesis 11, and you can see that. Abram lived in the land of Ur. And God came to Abram and said, Abram, I need you to pack up everything you got, all your people, all your cattle, I need you to get going because I have plans for you. Now, the land of Ur was situated down near ancient Babylon. And the thing that, 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 that sets the land of Ur apart from everyone else is that unlike everybody else who worshiped the sun, the people in the land of Ur worshiped a god known as Nana, N-A-N-N-A. It was the God of the moon. So Abram was down in the land of Ur where these people worshiped the moon. Now the Latin word for moon is luna. That's where we get words like the lunar eclipse or when we sent people to the moon, the lunar lander. So therefore I decree that people who worship the moon are lunatics. Because you got to be crazy. That moon can't do nothing for you. It's like the toast. But check this out. So there's Abram down in the land of lunacy. And God says, I want to do something for you. I want to turn you into a nation. I want to expand you. I want you to reach your capacity. But you've got to get away from all these crazy people. How many know sometimes we need to get away from the crazy people in our life so that God can bless us? And so God said to Abram, get thee out. Get out of your country so I can do stuff for you. And Abram said, where am I going, Lord? Lord said, don't worry about it. I'll let you know when you get there. The important thing is move. I submit to you that God can direct your path. He can take you to your full fruition, but you got to be willing to move. Let's look at another. Read with me. This is from Exodus. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And then we skip down to another chapter. Read with me. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? This is Israel talking, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I want you to imagine with me, you're standing on the banks of the Nile River. 
and beside you is a soldier. Soldier is bedecked in gold and in jewels, and in the arms of this soldier is a fat little baby boy. Oh, little pudgy hands. Baby's got those little dimples. You know how babies are. Got that little baby fine hair. And you say, oh, look at the little baby. And the soldier has this baby, and he takes it and holds it out and throws it in the water. The baby does not drown because there are crocodiles. And the crocodiles have learned this is a place for easy food. The crocodiles are lined along the banks of the Nile River and soldiers are throwing baby boys into the river and the crocodiles are tearing those babies to pieces. This is what Israel endured when Pharaoh set out the decree to kill all the baby boys. Their women were raped. Their old men were beaten. Their young people were sent to early graves. This is the horrible physical and sociological tragedy known as slavery. And then God heard their affliction and sent Moses. And when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. And then God and Pharaoh got into this funny war because Pharaoh wasn't never going to win. But back and forth and plagues were going and things got difficult. The children of Israel, when offered freedom, offered an opportunity to end this tyranny, said, leave us alone. It's better that our babies be thrown to crocodiles. It's better that our women get raped. It's better, Moses, that you beat our old people to death than that we serve God and follow you into the wilderness. I submit to you, God can break the chains of bondage that have held you down for so long, but you must be willing to move. And the children of Israel did move. You know the story. After 10 plagues, Pharaoh had had it. Take your people, get out. And the children of Israel packed everything they had and they followed Moses. They followed the pillar of fire and they moved out of Egypt and they were on their way. When Pharaoh started thinking to himself, I must have lost my mind. I am not going out like that. So Pharaoh went and got his army and his fiercest horse, I mean like a, a wolf horse, and climbed on that horse and they began to pursue the Israelites. The Israelites are out there heading toward the promised land singing a hymn. When suddenly, first, they could feel it in the ground. And then they could feel it in the gut. And soon they could hear we are told from stories of the Civil War that there is nothing like the sound of an approaching army on horseback. It's terrifying. It's so bad that many times by the time the horses get there, the offending army has already thrown down their weapons. It is a thunder that gets in the soul and quells the spirit. And the Israelites heard this. And I need you to understand that God knew the Israelites had no power. God knew the Israelites could not defeat the Egyptians. 
And when the Israelites looked up and discovered that they were at an impasse, before them was the Red Sea, and they couldn't walk on water, and behind them was the approaching Egyptian army. God recognized their inability. All God had asked them to do was move. And now we have an interesting situation where the people of God have moved, but now they're at a place where they can't do for themselves. And I want you to check out what God says. Read with me. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, do what? Stand still. <laughs> I love that part. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. I submit to you that after you've moved in Jesus, after you've moved in faith, and you have come to an impasse, then God will step in and say, stand still. Just hold on. And he will do what my grandmama used to call make a way out of no way. But first, you have to be willing to move. One more. Read with me. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. So now the Israelites... after having wandered in the wilderness for 40 long years, have finally got to where they can see the promised land. But the promised land is surrounded by a wall that history says is so thick, two chariots with full horses and regalia can ride side by side on the wall without being scared of falling off. And the Israelites are facing this daunting obstacle. Inside is the blessing. Outside is the sinner. How will we get through? And you know the story. God said to Joshua, this is what I want you to do. I want you to march around the wall not making a sound. Once every day for six days I want you to move around the wall and on the seventh day I want you to go around that wall seven times and after you moved then I want you to shout after you moved then I want you to shout and so the people of Israel marched 
around those walls. On the first day, they marched around those walls. On the second day, on the third day, they are marching around those walls. On the fourth day, on the fifth day, on the sixth day, and I can imagine the people of Jericho looking outside at the people of Israel and trying to figure out what the tactical advantage was of marching around the walls. Maybe by marching around the walls, they put little micro cracks in the walls and make the walls more pliable so they could kick them down or something. Or, or maybe by marching around the walls, they were trying to march a groove down underneath the walls. But the people of Jericho didn't understand that what Israel was doing didn't have anything to do with the people of Jericho. That was between them and God. God had said to the people, I want you to move, and the people were showing their willingness to move. And so they marched around those walls seven times, and after they had moved, after they had acted on faith, then Joshua gave the command, shout, children of Israel, shout abundant life for your victory. The Lord has given you the city this day, and the walls fell flat. I submit to you that Christ can remove the walls, can remove the barriers that have kept us from our blessing if first we are willing to move. And so the Israelites went into the promised land and then they became static. Evil kings came and went. Oppression came and went. The Babylonian Empire came and went. The Medo-Persian Empire came and went. The Greeks came and did some really nice art, and then they went, and along came the Roman Empire, the iron grip of the Roman Empire, and the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born to a virgin Mary. He grew up in favor with God and man, began his ministry, and here stands Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. Would you be healed? Would you be made whole? Then arise. Take up your bed and walk. Would you be made whole? Then arise. Take that mess out of your ears. And walk, would you be healed? Then rise, ignore that booty call. And walk. And when Jesus spoke, the word exited his mouth and entered into that man's body where it sat. And I don't know that man's full capacity. Maybe he could only move a toe. Maybe he could only twitch a finger. Maybe he could only bend his mind in the direction of Jesus. But the man moved on faith. And the faith hooked up with the word and activated the word and there was an explosion of power throughout his body 
Strength began to return to his bones and muscle and sinews began to knit themselves together. His joints found a favorable configuration and the word of God says he didn't just get up, but he jumped up and ran. But don't misunderstand me, church. He didn't move because he could run. He ran because he moved. I submit to you that God can turn the light on in your darkness. He can create something if you first let the spirit move and I submit that he can tell you where to go. He can bring you to your full fruition, but you got to be willing to move. I submit that he can break the chains of bondage. He can remove the fetters that have weighted you down for so long, but you got to be ready to move. And I submit that when you've gone as far as possible, when you've moved as far as you can on faith and the Red Sea of life is before you and the armies of Pharaoh are behind you, then Christ will come in and say, stand still, my child. Let me take it from here and he'll make a way out of no way and you keep moving I submit that he can bring the walls down of your life remove the barriers that have kept you out of the promised land but you gotta be willing to move I submit that he can raise you up from where you've lain for so long snatch the taste of cigarettes out your mouth snatch the addiction the crack cocaine from your veins but you got to be willing to move and when you move on faith the faith will hook up with the word and there'll be an explosion of power throughout your body and you'll jump up with a brand new walk jump up with a brand new talk jump up hallelujah how I made it over but first you must move don't hesitate just move don't contemplate just move it's you and Jesus. It's Jesus and you, nobody else. And he's got his hand out like this. Would you be healed? I cannot make you. Jesus says, I cannot force you. I need you to make an effort. Just stretch your hand out to me like this. Aren't you tired of the affliction? Aren't you tired of the old way? Aren't you tired of laying in the same place of, of life day after day after day? Jesus says, would you be healed? Then move. First time I ever saw a man die. I was in the hospital on internal, internal medicine rotations. And they pulled this brother in. Sometimes when a patient comes in, you can tell they've given up already. He was lying there on his gurney and they wheeled him in. All of we students stood around with our eyes stretched like this in the shock of inexperience. They pulled him in and the doctors began to work on this gentleman. They began to give him fluids. They began to give him IVs. And while they were working on the man, his heart stopped beating. All these monitors and equipment began to make light flashes and, and buzzings. And there was a blue light 
flashing in the halls. There's a special team called a crash team. A fine group of men and women who know their stuff. They came clattering down the hall, pushing all of their equipment, and they rushed into the room, and everyone else stood back. And they began to work on this man. Give him an injection of epinephrine. Give him a little heart massage. Staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. That's how they taught us. Doctor, do we have a heartbeat? No. So they pulled out the electrical things, the defibrillator. I'm clear, you're clear, we're all clear. And they put him on this man and they shocked him. Still no heartbeat. Move out of the way, the doctor said. And he continued to work on the man, staying alive, staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. Come on, brother. But to all of our horror, their best efforts failed. The doctor looked up, I remember it was 1127 at night. And he called it. He said, call it time of death, 11.27 p.m. And everyone bowed their heads like this. And they began to unplug this brother from all of the stuff. And everyone started filing out of the room with their heads down like this. I was standing in the corner with my eyes stretched watching as this man changed color. He turned gray. And as the doctor was leaving the room, there was this one sister, a Hispanic sister, and I don't know if they'd had a rough night. I don't know what had happened. But she was the last one out the door. And before she had completely exited the room, she stopped. brother and began pumping on his chest staying alive, staying alive staying alive she said don't give up I know you can do it but I need you to make an effort just show me something, give me something we can save you staying alive, staying alive and old church I had to turn away as tears filled my eyes, as I realized that that is exactly what Jesus has done in our lives. Everybody else may have walked out the room. The doctor may have called it on you. All hope may be gone. But Jesus is the last one there. And he's trying to return life into our spirits. Staying alive. Staying alive. I can save you. I can heal you. But you got to give me something. You got to move. I want to ask everyone to stand to Here at the beginning of this week called Reclamation. I want to open with an appeal. I 
know there is somebody here to whom the Lord is speaking. I know there is somebody here who has hesitated to move. This is your opportunity for recommitment. This is your opportunity to return to Jesus. This service is broadcast all over the city. And the pastor said he's taken on the city. So wherever you are, from the penthouse to the crack house, if you hear the sound of my voice, we are at Abundant Life, 1720 North J Street. Don't wait. Go on and move. You may not have tomorrow. Go ahead and take advantage of today. And anyone in this room, rededication, just slip on out your seat. Come down here and stand with me. Who will come? Who will move? Praise the Lord, my sister. Praise the Lord, sister. Praise the Lord, brother. Who will come down and be rededicated? Who will move right now? Who will heed the call of Jesus? Amen, sister. Amen. And now, is there anyone else? Anyone else who wants to come down, who wants to move now and be a part of this right now, while you know you have an opportunity, come on down, sister. Come on down. God is talking to you right now. He is standing over you. He says, I can heal you of your infirmity. I can make a change in your life. If you just move toward me. Now those of you who are down here. The Bible workers are waiting. I'm supposed to wait till later. But I'm going to ask right now. If you want to go on down in the water again. If you want to go down. And you've never done it before. If you want to be baptized. Just slip your hand in the air. And the sister will bring you a card. Amen, my brother. If this is your time, just slip your hand in the air and we will give you a card. Praise God. You know, um, God is speaking to someone else today. God is speaking to someone else today. There's a young man. I don't know who you are, but you came to church today. And God is speaking to you. The theme of this month, it is March Madness, but the underlining theme is reclaiming God's people. 
there's someone here today that came to church today and you know that you need to be in this call you know God is speaking to you I'm just asking you to lift your hand lift it high lift it up lift your hand up God wants to change your life there you are young man God wants to change your life this is your day this is your day God wants to change you from the inside out let us pray father in heaven we come to give you thanks we come to give you praise I pray father that you will touch each and every standing saint here in this house time is far spent but Lord you travel the distance to bring salvation to this world and as we rise today father we rise because you have told us to rise and we know father that as we rise that indeed healing is upon us through the Holy Ghost move by your Holy Spirit Lord in this place we thank you for healing we thank you for your power we thank you for the moving of your word Lord we pray, Father, that you bless the preacher, that you bless each and every one of us and those that lifted their hands. I pray, Father, that your blessing will be upon them. Lord, we know that there's some people that are still in the valley of decision. Trouble their hearts, Lord. Doom is coming upon this city, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us to escape the impending doom before it is too late, Lord. Seal our decision, Lord, those that have come forward, Lord, rededicating their lives. Lord, please, seal their decision. Those that have accepted you for the first time, Lord, bless them, anoint them, seal their decision and we know heaven rejoices even now and we are so thankful Lord for your goodness we're thankful for your moving for we ask these things in the worthy and the matchless name of Jesus Christ amen 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 I ask for those that came forward with a yellow card in your hand I'm asking you to join us over here. You came up. Just make your way with the Bible workers over there. Praise God, brother. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Church, I'm asking no one to move. I don't know about you, but I have a confession to make. About four years ago, 
I had a vision that I didn't understand. But this very week, this very week, I saw two strong evidences of this vision. Have you ever dreamt about being in a place that you have never seen, that you have never been? That's what happened to me this week. I was telling my wife, and I said, I don't understand how God works, but I know that we are where we need to be. And I'm seeing this even replicated in some others' lives. There was a young lady that came to me last night, and what she told me confirmed to me that God is about to do something. And I'm saying this as a warning, church. It's very important. I know we, we don't like anyone up in our business telling us what to do or not. But this is the final time. This is the final journey. And God wants us to take stock. I'm encouraging you, please. These meetings are very precious. You need to invite your friends. They need to be here. God is about to do something in this city. He's about to do something in our lives. Stay tuned. Bring them out. Tomorrow, tonight at 7 o'clock, we're going to be resuming. We want you to come out. Cancel any plans you have for this evening. Cancel any plans you have for this entire week, for the rest of this month. This is the place. God is going to be showing up, and he wants you to show up. And I'm encouraging you. This is no play on words. God wants to do something in someone's life. And you need to be ready. You need to be available. And we want to praise God for all that he has done, all that he is doing, and what he is about to do. Amen? I invite the church to stand with me. Move by his spirit in this place. Let us be moved. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for all that you have done. We have heard your word this morning, Lord. You have touched down in this place this morning. You have been blessing us, Lord, in these last two weeks with Pastor Michelle and then Pastor Hans. And now we're seeing your manservant, Lord. We pray, Father, that you'll anoint him, that you'll fill him up with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Any plans the devil has for him, Lord, cancel it, Lord. Cancel it, neutralize it, that your word will go forward toward with power and might. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for you are worthy to be praised. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God, everyone. I want you to hug somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you love them and you will see them tonight. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Thank you.